Hey family, Kevin Wallace here from Redemption to the Nations Church. We've got a message for you today that I believe God gave me to bring strength and hope and joy to your journey. I want you to get your heart open. I want you to get ready to receive this word. I don't believe your life's ever gonna be the same again. God's getting ready to take you to a new level. I'll see you at the end of this message and we'll pray together. God bless, enjoy this word. How many ever seen Field of Dreams? Stand with me all over this room this morning. I want you to turn to Jeremiah 32 and I wanna preach a message this morning called Field of Dreams. How many know if you believe the word of the Lord, he will come and he will do what he said he's going to do over your life? And today I want to preach about hope because I feel like one of the assignments of the enemy in this season that we are emerging from, there was an attack on hope, an attack on, on hope. First of all, help me welcome Athens and tell Athens good morning. Come on, tell Athens good morning. Pastor Chris, I love you. Pastor Amy. Pastor Devin and Ingrid, we love you all. There's been an attack on hope, but I'm going to tell you right now, God is going to restore hope in this house to some people who've lost hope about the future. And I feel like the enemy has been working overtime, but I just want to remind the enemy that when he's been up at night trying to bring hindrance to your purpose and hindrance to your future, that God has not been up fighting with him. God's already got this thing finished out in his mind from the very beginning. God knows how it's going to end. And how many know we're going to win and everything's going to be all right? Somebody say amen. I want you to go to Jeremiah 32. And uh, I want to read some scriptures here. Chapter 32, verse 1. And give me some time here to read. This is going to be a little bit of extra reading, but it'll bless you, I believe. Look at somebody tell them, filled of dreams. In that movie, if you've never seen it, Kevin Costner owns a cornfield out in the middle of nowhere, and his family is a baseball family, and he's got all this corn and all these fields and some baseball players from, some legends from a bygone era are looking for a place to get together and play baseball again. And the voice that you heard was the voice of Shoeless Joe Jackson telling Kevin Costner, if you'll build this baseball field out in the middle of this cornfield, I'll show up and play baseball. And he builds this baseball field. If you haven't watched the movie, you got to watch it. He builds this baseball field out in the middle of nowhere, and all the legends start showing up to play baseball out in the cornfield. And sometimes when you hear the voice of God, it'll, it'll cause you to do something that makes no sense to people who didn't hear the same voice. And you have to determine today if you're going to build your life on voices around you or the voice within you. How many are thankful for the voice of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you? And I feel like today God wants to recalibrate some people back to the voice within and stop listening to the negative voices that are surrounding you. Because there's a voice on the inside of you that'll lead you into places of victory. And I just feel like today somebody is coming into a greater measure of victory. If you receive that, say amen. Now, I want to say this to you as I jump into this today, and I'm taking a little more, more time here with this, but, but there's something going on, and I don't pretend to know all that it is. I'm just telling you what, what I'm getting in my spirit in prayer for the last couple of weeks. There's something going on with this thing about property, land and fields. How many remember last week's message about fighting for your pea patch? Anybody remember that message from last Sunday? We're, 
and, and I, I, I was going in another direction, but God just started laying on my heart this whole thing about land and inheritance and property and promised places that belong to you that you cannot afford to let go of. And I don't know who is going through something in their life where the enemy has brought you to a place, he's trying to get you to a place of surrender where you walk off promises that belong to you. I just feel like today is one more Sunday to reiterate to the enemy that it's mine, it's my promise, God gave it to me, it's my inheritance, and I refuse to walk off property and leave behind stuff that is very much a part of my future. And I feel like this is both spiritual and natural. There are some people that are that were entertaining the thought of running from promised land and running from inheritance, and you're not going to run after these, this message today and the message God gave us last week. But there's also a natural thing happening, and it's not, I know that I'm not talking to everybody, but there's just somebody in this room. God is about to remind you of some real land. I mean natural land. And I could not get away from this in prayer this week. I sense with all my heart that there are some people in this place that are getting ready to inhabit property and land and places that you did not know you were next in line for. And I just want to tell you that God is about to redeem some stuff because you're about to, you're about to see something happen in your life where you know God is up to something significant and you're going to give him a yes and he's going to blow your mind. Jeremiah 32, 1. Say, filled of dreams. The word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah in the 10th year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king of Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem. And Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the prison, which was in the king of Judah's house. For Zedekiah, king of Judah, had shut him up. Look at this. And the reason that he shut Jeremiah up is that he said, Why do you prophesy and say, Thus saith the Lord? Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall take it. Zedekiah, king of Judah, shall not escape from the hand of the Chaldeans but shall surely be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon and shall speak with him face to face and see him eye to eye. And then shall, he shall lead Zedekiah to Babylon and there he shall be until I visit him, saith the Lord. Though you fight with the Chaldeans, this is what Jeremiah is telling the people of God. Though you fight with the Chaldeans, you will not succeed. And Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me. Now look at verse six saying, behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle, will come to you saying, Buy my field, which is in Anathoth, for the right of redemption is yours to buy it. Then Hanamel, my uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison according to the word of the Lord and said to me, Please buy my field that is in Anathoth, which is in the country of Benjamin. For the right of, look at somebody say, neighbor, you have a right. For the right of inheritance is yours, and the redemption of it is yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew this was the word of the Lord, so I bought the field from Hanamel, the son of my uncle, who was in Anathoth. And we weighed out to him the money, 17 shekels of silver, 
and I signed the deed and sealed it. I took witnesses and weighed the money on scales. So I took the purchase deed, both that which was sealed according to the law and custom, and that which was open, and I gave the purchase deed to Baruch, Baruch the son of Neriah, son of Messiah, in the presence of Hanamel, my uncle's son, and in the presence of the witnesses who signed the purchase deed before all the Jews who sat in the court of the prison. Then I charged Baruch before them, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Listen to this. Take these deeds, both the purchase deed, which is sealed, and this deed, which is open, put them in an earthen vessel, that they may last many days. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. Chad, I don't know if I told you this, but go over to verse 26. Everybody go over to verse 26. And I want you to see what the Lord's Word says here in the same chapter, verse 26. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Does anybody have an answer to the question this morning? Is there anything too hard for God? I don't believe there is. Let's ask the Lord to help us for a few minutes as we preach his word this morning. Father, God of hope, I pray today that by your Holy Spirit, you will infuse divine hope into the hearts of your people. And I thank you, Father, that the hopeless will be restored. And the Spirit of the Lord is going to move on hearts. And today I thank you, Lord, that there is a purpose that someone is rising to. And it's after a season of tremendous pain. But I thank you you don't leave us in pain. I thank you that you, trans, uh, you transition us into a place of purpose. And today, God, I pray it happened for your people. Let us step into revelation and wisdom today. Rest on this house in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. As I said, as I set this message up this morning, I believe that one of the assignments of the enemy in this past season that we have lived in and some are still in and some are emerging from and everybody's trying to find their direction and get their, their bearings about them as they sort of move, move forward. I, I think one of the things that I have witnessed as a pastor and as I have walked with people through the stuff they've gone through, through loss, through confusion, through questions, through disrupted routines and people's lives have just sort of been, in some ways, taken away from them and people are trying to come back into a place where all that comes back together. One of the things I've seen in all these situations is that hope has been messed with. And it would be wise of the enemy to attack hope. If I were the devil, I would try to take your hope. 
Because if you have hope, you're a dangerous person to the kingdom of darkness. Hope is not simply wishful thinking. It's not wishful thinking. It's not hope so, maybe so, I'm going to conjure up an idea and believe in it enough to get myself happy again. That's not what hope is. Hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is confident expectation. Wishful thinking can be established on all sorts of things. Projections, prognostications, predictions that people make get a lot of people thinking wishfully. But hope is a different kind of thing. Hope is established on promises made, uttered from the mouth of a God who cannot lie. And when you get a word from the Lord, it causes hope to come alive on the inside of you. Hope is this idea that no matter how bad my present situation is, I have a future. Hope is a bridge between your pain and your purpose. Hope is the bridge between devastation and destiny. Hope is that thing that ties you and binds you to the word of the Lord and when it feels like you can't go on anymore, hope is what gets you up out of the bed in the morning and said, today's the day the Lord has made and I don't really have a bunch of reasons but I've decided I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in this day because I'm going to hope and be confidently expectant of the goodness of God in my life. And if I were the enemy, I'd do everything I could to take your hope because as long as you keep hoping God is always able to do something with your tomorrow despite how jacked up your today looks. And there's a lot of people in the church who are negotiating their future and compromising their promises and they've reduced their level of confident expectation. They've scaled back on their hope because they've come through a season like we've never been through before where I think it really shook some stuff. It shook some believers. It shook some faith. I want to remind you that shaking is in the Word of God. The Bible said in the book of Hebrews that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. It didn't say everything can be shaken. It said everything that can be shaken. I hope you caught what I just said. There are some people and some things that cannot be shaken. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken, but there are some things and some people who cannot be shaken. There's been a lot of people shaken. There's been a lot of faith shaken, but there's still some people in this room that despite what we went through, decided I'm gonna keep on believing God and I'm gonna hold on to his promises and I'm not gonna be shaken off of what the Lord said over my future. If I were the enemy, I'd steal your hope. Because when you lose hope, that's when you don't want to live anymore. You want to give up. It's when you throw in the towel and you wave the white flag and you say, I'm done. Some of you thought you were done, but God sent me today to tell somebody he's just getting started. 
Some of you thought your future was all jacked up in a mess and, and, and you've got a bleak sort of outlook on your tomorrow, but God sent me to intercept the lie of the enemy and tell some people in this room that your tomorrow is not as screwed up as the devil wants you to believe it is. And, and, and there is coming a, a rising up on the inside of you and it is not some wishful thinking. It is a spirit birth hope that God is up to something in your life and God is not through yet and the best is still yet to come. If there were ever a people, if there were ever a person and a people who were with reason to lose hope, it would have been Jeremiah and the people of Israel. The Bible says that King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians had come into Jerusalem and raised the entire city. And they carried out of Jerusalem and drug out of their homes the people of God. And they walked them through the streets chained and they took them back to Babylon. And for 70 years they are in Babylonian captivity, the people of God. And you may ask the question, how did they get there? And the answer is they rejected God. And in their rejection of God, you cannot reject God without opening a door for your enemy to come in and try to destroy your life. And the enemy took the open door of rebellion and he walked through it and he took the people of God out of Jerusalem back to Babylon. Scripture teaches us this exile lasted 70 years. And when you think about the saddest, most hopeless situation you can imagine, imagine somebody coming into your house tomorrow. Now, I know some of you are like, that will never happen uh, in America, and, and, and I thank God for freedom, and I thank God for protection from the Lord. Amen. But imagine with me, if you could, somebody walking into your house tomorrow, dragging you and your family out of your home, and taking you to a foreign land, and putting you there as prisoners to live. No government to save you, no hope of a military resistance, no hope of any intervention. You are simply slaves and exiles in a foreign land. And this is the plight of the people of God. They have rejected the Lord. God warned them. They refused the warning. And the enemy comes in and takes them out and puts them in captivity. And the prophet Jeremiah is in Jerusalem. He's, he's among the last group of people who are left there and he's living in the court of the king in prison. And he's in prison because of his prophetic word. The king of Babylon is coming in and he's already started taking people back. He's already started destroying parts of the city and it's only going to get worse. And the prophets of Israel are getting paid to tell everybody it's going to be all right. And Jeremiah said, it's not going to be all right. You've rejected the Lord. You're going to Babylon. And because he prophesied truth, they put him in prison. And how many know that will preach? We want everybody to like us so we don't even know what prison cells look like. But when one day will come, mark it down, we're preaching the truth will not make you, you won't be favored, you, you, you'll be an enemy. You're going to have to make up your mind, preacher, if you're going to honor God and honor the Word and honor Christ or if you're going to honor this world system. And I don't know about you. I'm going to take advantage of freedom while I have it, but I recognize that a day may come where preaching the truth may not be so acceptable. As for me and my house, we've done decided we're going to serve the Lord. <laughs> Jeremiah is in the prison. The city around him is being taken hostage and besieged. The people are being drug out of their homes. And God comes to Jeremiah 
in this hopeless situation where the future has already been declared and the picture has already been painted. You're going to Babylon. And in the middle of this tragedy, in the middle of this pain, in the middle of this, this, this season of hopelessness, God speaks to Jeremiah in the prison. And here's what he says. Your cousin is coming to see you. Well, if you got cousins like I got, that's not an encouraging word. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If I'm in prison, come on, how many know you want to visit from a certain kind of person? It's not necessarily your cousin Bob or Jim or whoever's coming, right? Your cousin is coming to see you, and he's got a business proposal for you. And he's going to tell you, buy from me, Jeremiah, buy from me this piece of land in Anathoth. Anathoth is two miles northeast of Jerusalem. It's like a suburb uh, of Jerusalem, if you will. It would be like we're in Chattanooga, and the Lord says, buy a piece of land in East Ridge or Ringo or wherever you're from. I don't care. Why would I be buying land when the land is being invaded? Why would I, how many know that there is a buyer's market and a seller's market? I, I was praying into this assignment this morning and, and I'm thinking about this and, and I kept hearing the Lord whisper to me, buy it. It's a buying time. There's a lot of people selling right now in the church. But there are some people who believe that God has a future for the church and a future for his people. There's a lot of people selling out right now and saying, I'm, this land, its best is behind it. I'm not talking about here, I'm talking about in the kingdom. I came today to correct a perception that the best days of the church are somehow in the past and we ought to be selling off. There's a lot of people doing reduction strategizing right now. Reduce, 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 shrink, 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 it's not going to be like it was. We agree on one point. It's not going to be like it was. I wish I could find one hallelujah that it's not going to be like it was. I think the days of coming to church to see a show and to hear a communicator and to be a part of a social gathering, I think those days are over. In fact, I felt like God spoke to me during the pandemic and he said, Kevin, tell the people I cleared the stage. I cleared the stage of people who want to be seen. I cleared the stage of personality cults. I cleared the stage of people who came for the wrong reason. And what I'm getting ready to do is restore a New Testament early church expression to the earth where the blind see and the deaf hear and the people walk together in unity and experience koinonia. I believe the Spirit of the Lord is saying it'll never be like it was. I'm thankful it'll never be like it was but I'm really thankful that we're going to another level and that the best is still yet to come it'll never be like it was sell that's what they say it'll never be like it was sell not for sale somebody 
needs to hear what your youth pastor just hollered. You want the microphone, I'll let you finish this sermon. Hallelujah. <laughs> this coming weekend, how do I know that the best is yet to come? You ready for this? This coming weekend, thank you. We have 1,800 young people who are going to pack this. We sold out. We sold out of Wild Ones, and the youth conference is full. What does that mean? It means that it'll never be like it was, but it's about to go to another level. I'm getting ready to invest in the kingdom. It's a strong buy for me. It's a strong buy. We got people all over this building that dabble in real estate. And you, you're looking for a place. You're looking for a place that is on the upswing. When you buy a house to flip or buy a house to rent, you're looking for a, what you want and what I want is to get in on the front end of a place that's getting ready to go like this. Jeremiah is ready, getting ready to buy on a place that looks like it's about to do this. And people say it's a strong sell. Strong, don't, don't, don't buy. It's, it's a hard no. You don't want to do this. I remember... I remember when I came to this church, when we came to this property in 2013, I remember when we bought it, people started calling us. What are you doing? Following God. Are you sure? Yeah, why? God would not take people into the inner city. This is what I was told. People are running out. Churches are, go down the road. Just drive down Bailey and, and Macaulay, one road over. Go look at how many church buildings are now funeral homes or colleges or some other business. Churches moved out of the city and went to the sub suburbs. I've got no problem with churches in the suburbs. I'm just saying Jesus wouldn't run away from the mess going on in the city I feel like I'm getting ready to have a spirit of offense come on me and offend some people here. But I want to tell you the gospel is not just for decent people making a nice middle wage, middle of the line wage, who have all their kids living right and their marriage is perfect and everything's wonderful. I'm thankful for, uh, I'm thankful for those families. We got plenty of them here, don't misunderstand. But the gospel is for places that the devil has tried to screw up and to put a curse of darkness on. And there are a remnant of kingdom people who say, that land belongs to God and we're not gonna we're not gonna sell out it's a strong buy strong buy I got a yes in my spirit we bought this property in 2013 I told you this last Sunday there were 130 people left in this building the Sunday before we bought this church and about a month after we bought this place I got a phone call from a developer in the city and said, we want you to come. <laughs> this is hilarious. We want you to come to a stakeholder meeting. What's a st I've never been a stakeholder in my life. What's a stakeholder meeting? I said, what is a stakeholder meeting? They said, well, we have plans for Highland Park. And you're a stakeholder because you own the buildings now and we want you to be at the table. So I go into this room with all these developers and they've got this stuff plastered up on the wall. This is in 2013 and here's what they said. We have a 10-year plan for Highland Park. I said, you do? Tell me about it. They said, this is about to be a renaissance area. 
I said, you don't know the half of it. You don't know the half of it. What are you telling us this for, Pastor? Because I want you to understand God was birthing something in 2013 when people looked through the lens of a social, a social lens or an economic lens or a racial lens. They looked at Highland Park and said, this is not where a white preacher wants to come build a multicultural church in the middle of this kind of climate. I want to tell you, I want to tell you, turn my microphone up, I'm about to get... I'm about to get hot right here and I feel the anointing getting on me while I preach. I want you to hear what I'm getting ready to tell you. The kingdom of God does not look through a social lens or a financial lens or a racial lens. It looks through one lens, the eyes of a man named Jesus who hung on a cross to redeem every red, yellow, black, white, rich, young, poor, old, I didn't come here because it looked financially prosperous. I came here because I believe heaven is invading earth and we're going to see Chattanooga become a city set up on a hill. Shout if you believe what I'm preaching. It's a strong buy. It's a strong buy for me. I believe God is in the place right now of finding willing people who are heirs. I don't know how much time I got here. Heirs. I want you to understand something. I'm not an heir. Uh, I'm not building, we're not building a church on cool principles. We're building a church because we're connected to the heir and we are joint heirs with the heir. And according to Psalm 2 verse 8, the father told the son, ask of me and I will give you the heathen. Don't be offended, I'm, I was a heathen too. Come on, tell your neighbor we were all heathens. That's right. Ask of me, and I will give you the heathen, the nations, for your inheritance. Jesus, I feel like preaching. I want to tell you today that Chattanooga is our inheritance. Not because, not because of what I did or what you did, but because of what Jesus did. And because we are in him, everything the Father promised to him, he now makes available to the joint heirs, which are us. And we find ourselves inheriting land and inheriting the nations so that the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. So, so God comes to Jeremiah and says, buy the land. It's a strong buy. You want to buy it? It's about to be obliterated. It's about to go through the worst thing you can possibly imagine. You want to buy it? Most people say it's a pass. Its best days are behind it. God told Jeremiah, when your cousin shows up, cousin Eddie, okay. <laughs> when your cousin shows up, buy the land. It's just a little field. It doesn't look that significant. 
But I started looking deeper into this piece of land and I found something that blew my mind. The word Anathoth in the Hebrew, and you can go check this out, this is in your concordance. The word Anathoth in the Hebrew means the place of answered prayer. If you don't take the land that you are an heir of, you will forfeit the place where your prayers are going to be answered. How many got some prayers up in the spirit that have been released and heard but unanswered? I mean, no, no, it's okay, I got some. How many are praying prayers daily or weekly that have not yet been answered? I want to tell you something. The place where your prayers are answered is a place of inheritance. I want us to get back to praying bold prayers. I mean crazy stuff. I'm not talking about flesh-born stuff. I'm talking about people who walk in the Spirit and hear, pick up on things in the Spirit that are bigger than their mind or their own flesh can comprehend. I'm not talking about the kind of stuff, where, again, where it's just wishful thinking. I'm talking about prayers over your children, prayers over their future, prayers over your marriage, prayers over your family, prayers over your grandkids, prayers over your finances, prayers over your church, prayers over your leader, stuff that God hasn't answered yet. I tell you now, you got to be careful that you don't lose the place where prayers are going to be answered. Like I told you last week, that piece of ground has purpose. Is this really a big deal, Jeremiah? Is it really a big deal that you buy this piece of property? Yes. Because if Jeremiah, who is rightful, the Bible calls him the rightful heir. It was his inheritance. He was next in line. Lord, I wish I had time. Look at somebody tell him, neighbor, I am next in line. <laughs> his cousin didn't want the land. But he went to Jeremiah. And the reason his cousin didn't want the land is because his cousin didn't get the promise. See, when you don't have a promise, you sell stuff. When you don't have a promise, you give stuff away. When you don't have a promise about that place and that piece of land, you're willing just to get it off the books and get rid of it. But God came to Jeremiah and said, Jeremiah, your cousin is coming to see you, and he's going to make you a business offer, and I want you to take it. And Jeremiah's like, for real? You want me to take this piece of land and buy it? Why? Because I've got a purpose for that piece of land, and I've got a future for that piece of land. And I want you to know that as messed up as that land is right now, there will be a day when that land is going to have houses and buildings and vineyards on it again. It'll be fruitful again. It'll be full of hope. I feel like there's somebody in here that needs to hear this for your family. You need to hear this for your marriage. You need, that's why some people get a divorce and they stop in marriage because they don't see a future. I want to tell you right now, if you'll press through this season of difficulty, if you'll bind the devil, put him under your feet, humble yourself and love one another, God's going to let houses and buildings and fruitfulness come back to your marriage. Don't quit now. What are you and I walking away from 
walking away from it because of what it looks like right now. It's a mess right now. Come see me in a few years. Because things are getting ready to turn. How many are thankful that God can turn some things? How many are thankful that God can take some bad situations and turn them around and make them good? I feel like somebody is buying, you're buying some stuff. I mean, when I say buy, I mean you're investing, you're praying, you're believing in it. You're declaring, I'm not going to let this piece of property, I'm not going to let this promise, I'm not going to let this marriage, I'm not going to let this family, I'm not going to just let it go. I'm going to make the investment into this piece of land, this, this field of dreams. Nobody else sees it. How many have ever had to believe for something nobody else could see? Where are y'all at? How many have ever believed for something that few people surrounding? I feel the Lord right here. Feel the Lord working in somebody's heart. There's somebody in this room right now. I, I just want to remind you, sometimes you've got to make some decisions that people around you would not have made. And the reason they wouldn't make that decision that you're getting ready to make or that you just recently made or you decided to make, I, I feel like the reason that they wouldn't make that, that same decision is because they're not privy to the information that God has been speaking to you. They look at your family and say it's hopeless. They look at your business and say it's hopeless. They look at your situation and say, sell, get rid of it. Liquidate. Start all over. God says, hang on to that deed. You're going to need it. Hang on to that piece of property. Hang on to that field. I put something in your spirit. I told you that its best days were not behind it. Its best days are in front of it. There are some prayers that are getting ready to be answered in your life that you are going to be thankful you did not give up on God for. The enemy has tried to talk you out of it. The devil has tried to make you second guess yourself. But I want to remind you of what the Bible said. Jeremiah 33 verse 3, call unto me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know if you give up now you will never see what God had in store by the field it's a strong buy for me not because of what I see happening now in my life but because of what I feel like it's coming based on what I heard God say and here's Jeremiah sitting up in prison, and God tells him to buy, and he goes to his banker. He says to Jim the banker, that's his name, his name was Jim. He says to Jim the banker, he said, Jim, I need 17 shekels of silver. Jeremiah, what do you need 17 shekels of silver for? I'm getting ready to buy some land. For real? Where are you going to buy some land at right now? Have you looked out the window of your prison cell lately? Everything around us is on fire. They're burning the city down, dragging the people out, blowing up houses, and you're trying to buy some land? Give me the silver. 
So he measures out 17 shekels of silver and he hands it to Jeremiah, which is a really amazing thing that even while he was in prison, he still had provision. Well, I just caught that and I hope it blessed you like it blessed me. Look at somebody tell them the devil can't have my stuff. Yeah, you can throw me in prison, but you can't take my stuff. You can try to mess with my mind, but you can't take my stuff. If I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything I have, everything I need will be supplied. Look at somebody, slap your neighbor, tell your neighbor, God's got you covered. I know you've been in a rough season, but your stuff is still your stuff. And if the thief took it, I came to tell you the devil's going to have to pay you back. So he throws out 17 shekels of silver. He pays for the land. And then he goes down to where all the Jewish leaders are hanging out. Look at God. God will sometimes, see, you read this story and you think, man, poor Jeremiah. God's trying to make him look like a fool. Because Jeremiah goes into the court in front of all of the Jewish leaders. Read your Bible. And God makes him do this real estate transaction in front of all the Jewish leaders. And you would say, God is trying to make Jeremiah look like a fool. No, God is trying to make the Jewish leaders look like a bunch of fools. Because they're going to wish they would have followed Jeremiah's lead. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying? Uh-huh. If you, were, if you would understand the mind of God, God let it get real bad so that Jeremiah would buy when it was in a low market. But he understood that the market was going to improve in the future. And there are some people who want to get in when the, when the thing is on the upswing. But God has the prophetic foresight to know if you'll listen to me, I'll let you get in on a business deal that the wisdom of this world would never afford you the opportunity to be a part of. God will change. God will take the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And so he's in front of all these leaders and they're all looking at him. Yeah, that's Jeremiah. What's he doing here? And the Bible said that he pulls out the money and he asks for the deed of Anathoth. I want that field. And all the Jewish leaders, I can hear them snarling and laughing at the prophet. Y'all see what he's doing? Oh, here, buying Anathoth. Y'all see what they're doing? Oh, they're buying property in Highland Park. Yeah. Wallace had lost his mind. A long time ago, I lost mine. And I got the mind of Christ. Oh, come on here, somebody, talk to me. Has anybody in here ever felt like there was a season in your life where you were making God decisions based on God information that people around you didn't understand or even agree with because they didn't hear the promise connected to... There are some people that have moved. There, are, It's crazy what's happening right now. People are moving from states thousands of miles away to be a part of our church family. Yeah, that's why I, I don't understand these people who roll over on Sunday morning and live four minutes from the church. And they're like, I don't know if I feel like going to church today. There are people who are packing up their U-Haul and leaving six-figure jobs and coming to Chattanooga. You don't hear what I'm telling you. And they're doing it not because of the preacher and not because of the worship. And they're doing it because the kingdom swirl and the kingdom glory and the kingdom king is moving in this house and I came to tell you you're not crazy when you make that kind of decision you're not crazy if it were me I'd pack my whole family
me up if God told me that's my future you don't have to buy it you may pass on it but give me Anathoth I got some prayers in the atmosphere I got some prophecies unfulfilled and I gotta make sure I got that land slap somebody tell them it's my field of dreams My field of dreams and, they, and he buys the field buys the field and I'm closing with this he I think I'm closing with this he he gets a little bit confused about his decision because if the truth be known sometimes we all make decisions based on faith but then our reason catches up with us Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Have you ever made a faith decision that your reason tried to talk you out of? Yeah, I bought this, now what am I going to do with it? God said, don't worry about what you do with it right now. Keep hope. This is where I've talked about hope. I'm coming back to hope before I close. But keep hope because I want you to know houses will be built on this property again and vineyards will be planted on this land again. I didn't read it all, but go back and read Jeremiah 32. Jeremiah starts having a prayer meeting because he's a little bit nervous about his business decision. God, is this really what you wanted me to do? I look at what's happening in this land right now and everything is on fire. And God said, no, Jeremiah, I want you to understand something. I'm getting ready to bless my people. I'm, I'm, they're going to go into captivity for 70 years, but I will bring them back. I want to finish my sermon telling somebody, if you screwed your life up, I want you to hold on to God because God is good enough to bring you back. Can I have one witness in this church? If you've ever made a mistake and the devil told you it was too much and it was too late and that God couldn't restore your life, I came to tell you on Sunday morning, put that lying devil under your feet. Tell that lying devil he who has begun. Oh, a good work in me will finish what he started. And in the midst of the worst season that you could imagine, two of the greatest promises about hope found in the entire Bible happened right here in the book of Jeremiah. In the middle of captivity, two promises. I'm going to give you this real quick. And we don't ever slow down to read the Bible. We just holler scriptures and everybody, Woo, praise the Lord. But I want you to get this. Chad, put up Jeremiah 29. Chad, put this thing up right here for me. Chad, thank you. My guy, he knows I'm kidding. Now, we always quote Jeremiah 29, 11. How many ever quoted that over your life? For I know the thoughts that I have. It'd be good to get some context. Touch your neighbor, tell them context, context, context. Let me give you some context. Verse 10 says this. For thus saith the Lord, after, I wrote a book called After This. You go get in the lobby on your way out if you want. Hallelujah. But it'll cost you a little bit of money. Amen. After 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word to you and cause you to return to this place. For I 
know. Y'all miss this blessing. For I know the thoughts that I have toward you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. I wish somebody would catch what I'm throwing out today to bring you a hope and to give you a future. That scripture was not given to people who had all their ducks in a row. It was not given to people who had lost their mess and didn't know how to get it back. That promise was given to people who had screwed their life up and it looked like they had no tomorrow. And God said, when it looks like you got no tomorrow, you think you know the future. You think you know how bad it's going to be. But I know the thoughts I have for you. Thoughts of peace and not evil. Slap at least three people in your zip code and tell your neighbors, hey neighbor, you've got a future. Tell them you've got a future. I feel like somebody's about to break out of hopelessness. You've got a future. The devil wants you to stop in Babylon. But I made this mess and I'm gonna come out of it not by might, not by power, but I'm coming out by the grace of the Spirit of God. God's got a future. Touch somebody, tell a neighbor, don't die in Babylon. You've got a field of dreams. God's gonna finish what he started. God's gonna give you what he promised. God's gonna... I feel hope breaking out in this church. If you made a mess, don't die in the mess. You're coming out of this. Oh, somebody give him three claps and a shout. Yes! Stay standing, stay standing. The next promise, I'm going to teach you. The next promise, stay standing, I'm through. The next promise of hope comes from Lamentations. Ooh. The third chapter. We always quote my favorite verse. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, verse 20. But let's get some context. Touch your neighbor, tell them context. Remember my affliction and roaming, the wormwood and the gall. How many know that's a bitter season? Yes. I feel like there's some people in here. They've been through a roaming, a spiritual roaming, mental roaming, wormwood and gall, bitter things in life. I'm talking to some people who lost loved ones during COVID, lost some friends during COVID, lost some sleep during COVID. Y'all ain't helping nobody. Lost some peace during COVID. Went through some seasons in your life where you lost some, you lost some stuff. You lost a marriage. You lost, you lost a relationship with your child. It's been a bitter season. You lost a business. You lost, you lost an entrepreneurial opportunity. You lost it. And it's been a season of wormwood and gall and bitterness. Remember my affliction. Go back there. Go back there. And my roaming and the wormwood and the gall. Look at the next verse. My soul. St 
still remembers and sinks. How many ever felt this thing? Your heart sunk. Who am I talking to in here? Your heart sunk. This is written by Jeremiah. You understand Lamentations was written by Jer Jeremiah. Jeremiah. That's what the old saints I went to church with called him. Jeremiah. He wrote these words in captivity. My soul still remembers the ball, the gall and the wormwood. And it sinks within me. But, next verse, come on here. This, I'm getting ready to bless myself. I'm get, touch your neighbor, tell them neighbor. I'm getting ready to bless me and you. He said, watch this, don't miss this. He said, I can't forget the pain. I remember the wormwood and the gall. And every time I think about it, my heart sinks within me. What do you do when you can't forget the pain? You gotta remember the promise. God, I feel I'm preaching. He remembered the pain, but he also remembered this promise. He said this, I recall to my mind, therefore I have, where is my help? Oh no, in this church. Touch somebody, tell your neighbor, neighbor, I still have hope. I still have hope. You don't have to understand it. You may not be able to believe it. You may not even able to agree with it. But after all I've been through, I still have hope. Why do I have hope? Next verse. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions do not fail. Next verse. They are new every morning. Great, the command of Great is thy faithfulness. I know this land don't look like much, but the God who told me it has a future is a faithful God. And I'm gonna keep on believing. I'm gonna keep on hoping. If you still got hope, shout all over the church. I said shout all over the shoot. Shout because you got hope. Shout because you believe God is faithful. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Great is thy faithfulness. I feel like somebody today has been given a business, spiritual business opportunity. And here's the spiritual business opportunity. I said spiritual business. God said, if you will buy the land and believe my word, I come and show up on that field and prayers Holy Ghost, that you have prayed that have not been answered you're about to inherit some answers because you kept that land that field somebody I, this is for somebody who's having I mean Seth we transition in here 
This is for somebody who's in this place who says, Pastor, my family's falling apart. My marriage is in trouble. My children are a mess. I'm a wreck myself. I feel like giving up. I made a mess, Pastor. The devil's trying to get you to give that land up. And he wants you to believe you've done so much, so bad, that it can't be redeemed. I came to tell you today, that piece of property is a strong buy. Jesus is going to restore your house. I need some worshipers to start thanking him, worshiping him. Jesus is going to restore that home. Vineyards are going to be growing on that field again. Kevin Costner said, if you build it, he will come. But I came to tell you, if you'll believe it, God will show up. show up I feel like there's some people in here need to say and we don't we, we, we don't want to shame there is no shame in this house there's no judgment in this house this is a house of love and acceptance and forgiveness there's some people in this room right now who say Pastor you're talking to someone else beside me because I've made some dumb decisions got myself in a real fix here. Feels like Babylon is all around me. Everything I had is being taken and broke down. And I feel so hopeless sometimes, Pastor. You can't forget your mistakes. But you can remember his mercy. You can't forget you screwed up but you can remember his steadfast love the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases his mercies never come to an end There's someone in here right now who wants to come back, but you're afraid God won't take you back. Religion told you. Some preacher told you. You've gone too far. I came to break the lie off your mind. If that's you, I want you to come stand with me because we're getting ready to shift this thing. Somebody who's hopeless is about to become full of hope again. Uh-huh. If you're in this place today and you've got some mess the enemies told you sell the field it's too late too far gone but today you feel like Pastor Kevin I'm going to buy that land because it's got a future I'm going to hold on to that property come on family come on come on back here come on come on come on people are coming people are coming come on I feel like I feel like some people are coming today because they found finally find something coming back to life on the inside of them it's not too late field of dreams. Come on. Come on. Come on. Just keep worshiping him. Just lift your hands. 
This is an atmosphere where people can come and find freedom. Up, we give you glory, Lord, we give you praise. Come on, people are still coming. I need some thankful people in this room right now. Come stand all across the front. Come stand all across the front. People are still coming, church. Just lift your hands and worship him. Somebody say, who's coming? Everybody that's got a future is coming right now. Somebody has walked into this place today and the enemy's been telling them they have no future, but something's coming back to life. Come on, family, right here. They're coming, they're coming. They're, just lift your hands and worship God all over the room. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Pastor, I've wandered away from God and I want to come home. Then get, get out of your seat and come home right now. And you don't have a day to waste. This is the day the Lord has made. This is the day we come. Come on, sweetheart. Come on. Come on, baby. Come on. Come on. Come on. I got a, I got all day long. Just, just lift your hands, church, and worship him while people come. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I feel like there's some teenagers who have made a mess, maybe some early 20s. You feel like you've made a mess of life. You got off track. Maybe you think you've lost the call of God and that God is through with you. But I'm buying a field because you have a future. How many believe our sons and daughters still have a future? Come on home, teenager. Don't wait. Come on home today. I don't want to keep living like this. I don't want to lose this field of dreams. Come on. You have a future. I recognize some people got to go. We love you. We'll see you tonight at 6. You don't want to miss tonight. It's been revival. It's going to be powerful. Get back to church. But if you're going to stay with me for a few more minutes, take your neighbor by the hand. I want you to take your neighbor by the hand because there are about 30 people still standing in their seat. Some of them are trying to walk out the back door right now. And the reason they're going to stay there, the enemy wants them to stay in hopelessness. But I want you to pray for God to break the yoke right now. And that hope would flood their heart. That the chains would be broken. If you're in your seat and you still feel hopeless, but you want God to restore your soul, I'm going to count to three one more time. There's still a bunch of you that need to come. I just want you to run out of your seat. Come down here with us. Because you still, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. One, thank you for coming. Two, three, come on. Come on, I can't quit now. I'm believing for my future. Come on. Come on, baby. Come on. Come on, sir. Come on. Somebody lift your voice. Somebody lift your voice. We're contending for a field of dreams. The enemy says you have no future. But if you believe God this morning, God will do what he said he would do. Oh. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, worshipers, lift your praise. Da da ba ba
Put it back together. Put it back together. You're restoring hope. Woo! Come here, come here, help me, Andrew, right here. Hallelujah! You're restoring hope. I need people praying all over this building. You're restoring hope. It's not too late. It's not too late. You still have a future. You still have a future. There's no time to waste. There's no time to waste. So we'll start right now. We'll start right now. There's no time to waste. There's no time to waste. So we'll start right now. So we'll start. So we'll start right now. There's no time to waste. There's no time to waste. Somebody worship him. The design of the enemy is to create a cycle that you remain stuck in where you, whereby your thought process continues to think in ways that produce and promote your bondage. But this moment for somebody that has not moved, and I don't do this every Sunday, I am stubbornly waiting on about 20 more people and it's not to pressure anybody that don't feel it, but I am telling you as your pastor, I, by the Spirit of the Lord, believe there are people in this room that want to run to an altar to say, I'm going to buy this field you're preaching about because I still believe I have a future. Even though my mind has been in a routine of believing that I don't have a Yeah, that's right. Come on. See what I'm telling you? I'm telling you that's about 15 or 20 more. And what this moment is, is a moment to say there's no more time to waste. My future starts right now. My... If you believe that, put that in the atmosphere. There's no time to waste. There's no time to waste. Come on. We'll right now. There's, There's no time. Come on, sweetheart. Come on, sir. Come on. Come on. Start right now. Starts right now. 
Restoration starts right now. Come on. Come on. No time to waste. Get out of your seat if I'm talking to you. Come on. Put it back together, y'all. There's no time to waste. Restoration starts right now. There's no time. Get to the altar. The power of God is moving. Athens, get to the altar. The power of God is moving. There's no time to waste. 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 I got a whole lot of people that are breaking through. Somebody lift your worship to God. They're breaking through in the hope. There's no time. It's a brand new day.
devil's time is up no longer can he bother me for the creator of the universe he fathers and it's transferable my children's children shall be free it's a new season it's a new season all that's been stolen is returned to you 100 fold tried in the fire but you're coming out I think I'm going to sing that part again. Try it in the fire. Try it in the fire, but you're coming out gold. How many know we're coming out gold today? I want you to lay your hands on your neighbor's shoulder before we go home. Here's what we have to do. We have to move from just receiving this to releasing this. There are enough religious people in the world to keep everybody in bondage. It's time for kingdom people with a message of hope to release this word of hope over those who feel like they have no future. And I feel like there's something coming to our church as a confirmation of this message. And I'm just going to release it. I don't even know what I'm talking about, but I feel in my spirit that God has properties and lands and fields that he's going to allow us through inheritance to come into possession of. And it will stand as a witness that it's a new season. Pray for your neighbor right now. Father, release hope over our brothers and sisters all over this room. And I thank you, God, that when it looks absolutely like it cannot get any worse, even when it does get worse, I thank you it still has a future. And I pray right now for the people of God that they will not leave the land of their promise. They will not run from their inheritance. It's theirs. And I pray in spite of what it looks like in the now, they will make decisions on their future based on God information and not on the voices around them. Holy Spirit, today, we give you thanks, God of hope. Now, here's how I want you to pray for your neighbor. Lord, fill my brother or my sister with hope. Fill them up. Come on, pray for them. Oh, God of hope, fill them up. Fill them hope. Fill them up with hope. Fill them up with hope. Fill them up with hope. 
Father, they're going to have a confident expectation regarding their future. Fill them up with hope. Not wishful thinking, but confident expectation of their future based upon the report of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. Just keep praying. For those of you who need to in this altar, you stay in. And they'll keep playing on musical instruments tonight at 6 p.m. You do not want to miss it. We're in a move. And I'm inviting you to come back. My friend Damon Thompson will be back tonight. You don't want to miss it. Be here at 6 p.m. to get a seat. Go in the peace of the Lord. And if you need to keep praying, keep on praying. The Lord be with you. Listen, I believe that God is speaking to hearts right now. If you've watched this message today and something said, brought strength to you and built you up in your spirit, gave you hope for tomorrow. I thank God that in this day and hour that we're living, that there is a word from the Lord. And the Bible tells us we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We need the word of the Lord. And today, this word, I pray, has produced faith in your heart. You want someone to agree with you in prayer right now. I want to take this moment to pray with everyone watching because I believe God's going to meet needs today. If you're lost and you feel like you're full of hopelessness and sin, just call on the name of the Lord. If you're sick in your body and you need him to touch you, you just call on the name of the Lord. If your family's falling apart and you need God to rescue your family, I want you to know there's a miracle for your family, for those of you who are watching today. Let's pray together. Father, move by your spirit right now. Someone's reaching out to you in faith, God. They need a miracle today. They need you to turn their situation around. I thank you that there's no impossibility. There's no problem too hard for you to solve. There's no mountain too big for you to move, Lord. Do it for them today. We agree together in prayer in Jesus' name that lives are being changed right now by the power of God. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. Be blessed. Check us out on kevinwallace.tv, and I'll see you next week. God bless.